I'm Maria. And I'm Roisin. And welcome to the Fitness Fertility Podcast. This podcast is all about how improving your physical fitness can help support you on your very own fertility journey. I'm a personal trainer who specialises in training women with fertility problems. I myself have PCOS and have had two beautiful boys, and I'm on a mission to help you do the same. Before we get into it, we will be discussing adult themes such as where do babies come from, pregnancy loss and bereavement. We may also be sweary from time to time. We are optimistic, light-hearted girls, but we know this is a really stressful time for some of our listeners. We respect that. On this week's show, I am delighted to introduce Sarah Marshall-Page and Tracy Bamber from IVF Babble. Welcome, Sarah and Tracy. So lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting us. Oh, we are absolutely delighted. We've been looking forward to this one for a very long time. Tracy and Sarah, they are the founders of IVF Babble. They are also the founders of mmenopause.com, fertilitybook.com, and most recently, Babble Health. In addition to everything they've achieved so far, Sarah is also a TV floor manager and director at Side of Stage Limited. Sarah was 32 when she decided she wanted a baby, and it took her four years to conceive. Tracy is a fellow infertility and IVF warrior. Tracy started trying for a baby in her late 30s and it took two attempts before she became pregnant with her twins. She lost many of her childbearing years because she didn't have all the facts that she needed. IVF Babble has been voted Best Online Reproductive Health Platform 2022 by GHP Private Health Care Awards, Best Blog on the Web by Feedspot 2022. Tracy and Sarah created IVFBabble.com in just over two years, and it was read across more than 168 countries. Their mission is to revolutionize fertility. Welcome. We are delighted to have you here. I feel exhausted listening. Honestly, all of your rewards and everything, you are giants in the fertility world. So we are very grateful for everything you do. Would you mind just talk us through your stories? Do you want to go first, Sarah? Yes, sure. It was a long time ago now. My daughters are now 12 and it took me four years to get them. The fertility space was very, very different back then. Nobody was talking about infertility or IVF or anything like that. And if they were, it was sort of, you know, in whispers. I was very naive. So I just assumed that when we wanted to have a baby, we would have a baby. Um, but it didn't go to plan. I went straight to having two rounds of IUI, a round of IVF, and then finally ICSI. And I did all of this completely not really knowing anything. The only thing I wanted to know was when will I get pregnant? Because at the time, all the small print was just leaflets. There wasn't anything like IVF babble. It was a very lonely experience. And I talk a lot about the shame that I felt as well. Yeah, I can relate to that for sure. Oh my God, I'm not a complete woman, which I think a lot of women feel, don't they? When you're not ovulating, you can't get pregnant, my body doesn't work. Eventually got to IVF. And sadly, just as I got there, just as I had my embryos, I had two embryos put back in, I developed severe OHSS. You know what severe OHS is? Would you mind just explaining it, just in case any of our listeners aren't aware? I know it's a really serious one to look out for. Yeah, the only good news about severe OHSS is that it is so rare. And in fact, when I had it 12 years ago, I think the percentage rate was like 1%. And that has gone down from one to practically nothing now because doctors are more aware and science is evolving. Basically, what happened is that I was overstimulated. I created too many follicles. They were bursting. And the fluid in the sacs seeped into the lining of my stomach. And the fluid then seeped into my lungs. 
my lungs were filling up, my blood was thickening. So I was in hospital for about two weeks. But what I didn't know at the time was that actually those little embryos I had implanted, I didn't realize that it had worked. So there's me in hospital getting bigger and bigger and bigger as my body was filling up with fluid and not actually knowing that I was pregnant. Severe OHSS is so painful. And of course, you couldn't touch my body because, you know, it was so, so tender. And I remember the doctors coming around saying, you know, we have to do a pregnancy test now. And I, and I said, please don't, please don't, because if, if it hasn't worked, I, I don't think I can carry on. Oh, of course. So what happened when they did the test? Well, do you know, they left it for a couple of days. And actually, I remember I was on my way to the toilet, right, <laughs> with an IV drip, and I couldn't walk properly, so they'd given me a walking frame. And it had taken me about 10 minutes to get just a little way to the toilet. And the doctor said, Sarah, I've got some news. And I said, oh, please, please, it's taken me ages to get down this corridor. Can I just get to the toilet and come back? And he said, no, no, I think you need to hear this now. But it's worked. You're pregnant. How did you feel in that moment? Because it's probably not what you picture. You know, it's not the kind of beautiful romantic setting. It literally couldn't have been as far from perfect. <laughs> and, and actually, my response was, I said, could you please get some paperwork to prove it? <laughs> oh, my God, that is absolutely brilliant. He did. He went off and he got paperwork. These two beautiful nurses that were looking after me when the news had finally sunk in, they said to me, would you like us to take you to the shower and just wash your hair and clean you up a bit? And so that when you give the news to your husband, you feel a bit more normal. Well, all praise the nurses. That's such a lovely and thoughtful thing for them to do. So lovely. But you know what? The one thing I have learned going through IVF and infertility is that natural conception to me is magic. How on earth does natural conception happen? And by accident sometimes. And then you have people that didn't know they were pregnant. I know, it's completely bizarre. It blows my mind. It usually involves a bottle of wine, just from my own experience. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. Um, just before we jump into Tracy's story, Sarah, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, how did you find the strength to keep going? Because, you know, you had multiple rounds of fertility treatment. You then had the OHSS. Why not just quit? Because in all honesty, I didn't see the point in living if I wasn't going to be a mother. And I appreciate your honesty. I think that that's how a lot of people feel. And even just saying that out loud makes me feel incredibly emotional. I just thought I have to keep going. What I will say is I was very, very lucky because I had my IVF on the NHS. What makes me so upset today is when I hear from women and men who want to keep fighting but they can't because they don't have the funds to keep fighting. It breaks my heart when you hear of people and they're so desperate to have a family because why should they not have a family? Everyone else gets one. It's heartbreaking. It's so horrid. Yeah, I was blessed. I was blessed to have those rounds on, on the NHS. What are the names of your two beautiful embryos? They're called Lola and Darcy. I must say they are very proud to be IVF babies, which is incredible because when they were first born, the shame that I described earlier was still so attached to my entire journey that I remember saying to my husband, please don't tell anyone they're IVF babies. 
this aspect of shame, like I'm sure you know, there's so many people doing work on shame at the minute. Obviously, Brene Brown's one of the big ones. It's just so tied into fertility. And we've had other people mentioning this. And you're stuck in this kind of shame cycle of no one talking about it, but everyone going through it. That's why Roshan and I are both really passionate about what we're doing here with this podcast, because we just want people to talk about it. It's why we're really so grateful when people like yourselves come on, just to try and break down some of those barriers and get people talking. The more people that talk, the better. Me and Tracy champion anybody that's trying to support and talk and, and say to somebody, you know, it's okay, look, you know, I'm just like you. I can't get pregnant naturally either. There shouldn't be any shame in it whatsoever. Um, and I really hope that we can start to, to break that down. Tracy, if you are happy to, I know that you've also had a really, really tricky journey. So again, if you're happy to share with us, we would love to hear. Uh, absolutely. For me, I met my husband when I was about 37. Crazily, hadn't been thinking about having children at that point. I knew I wanted to have children. We just met and it wasn't the forefront of our mind at that time. And then suddenly one morning I woke up and just didn't feel 100%, just fell on the floor in agony. Ben rushed me to hospital and I had an ectopic. After being in hospital for about four days, I was sent home and there was no follow-up, check-up. It was, I just went home and that was it. Wow. And the reason I'm saying that is because I always had painful periods from the age of 10 and a half. And I would literally almost be rolling around for a day or two in just such agony. When I was sent home with the ectopic, sort of the left-hand side, my lower left, was really sore during what would have been ovulation time. I continued getting this really bad pain. So I went to the doctor. She said, I think you might have endometriosis. I'm not sure, but we should get this checked. I went to go and see a gynecologist who said, oh, it's just your age, you know, a bit of wear and tear or whatever. No tests, nothing done. Ben and I decided let's try one IVF because we'd been trying, nothing was happening. I went ahead with that first IVF. Literally on the day of embryo transfer, so I had a really busy job at the time. I went from the clinic straight to work. And I remember someone coming up to me saying, oh my God, what are you doing here? You should be at home. Have your feet up. I didn't realise it didn't work. And then I went on to have five miscarriages. Then I saw another couple of gynies. One said, again, it was my age, didn't do any tests. And another one said I had a digestive problem and sent me away with these little orange packets that apparently was going to sort out my issue. We got to about the ninth year of trying, went and saw a consultant, came super highly recommended by close friends of ours. I saw this guy and immediately said, I think you've got endometriosis, but let's do all the tests first. Let's just check. And it ended up that I had endometriosis, a block tube, which may have been from the ectopic, a polyp and a thyroid issue. Sorted all of those out. And then I went ahead with a second IVF. I treated it in a totally different way. And that was due to a friend of mine had gone through six IVFs. None of them had worked. And on her seventh IVF, because it was her last time trying, she adopted a different routine with it, a different way of looking at it. And so she would drink green juice till it's coming out of her ears. She would exercise, regular walking every day, drinking loads of water, 
acupuncture, meditation. I did the lot. When she did that, after the seventh IVF, she managed to get pregnant with triplets. Wow. She was in her late 40s. And so I thought, okay, well, we've got these two embryos. (laughs) Let's give this a go. Positive thinking, meditation, the exercise, the thyroid, uh, just by taking thyroxin, I felt totally different. At the end of it, came out with two beautiful little girls. And in fact, even the embryos that were put in, I was told that they're not great grade. We shouldn't really put the other one in because it's risking it a bit. And at that time, I just thought, look, just put them in. This is my last chance. If it doesn't work, I'm not doing this again. And unbelievably, it did. And what was very beautiful is about three or four years before, my father, sadly, became super ill. And he suddenly hadn't spoken for a few days. And then suddenly grabbed hold of my hand and said, you must have children. And I said, Dad, how am I going to do that? I'm the age I am. I just don't know how that's going to happen. And he said, I've always told you there's no such word as can't. Oh, my goodness. And then literally passed away the next day. When we tried and suddenly it happened, what was really beautiful was it's the two-week wait, but actually it was probably about eight days wait for me. And I suddenly had this inkling, was I pregnant? Because there was funny things happening. And I remember my husband basically saying, don't get out of bed, you've got to chill. I woke up, he was asleep. I walked around, I couldn't find my purse or anything, and then suddenly found a £20 note on the floor. Grabbed hold of it, jumped in the car, got two pregnancy tests, and also, I don't know why, but I got a little cupcake with Happy Father's Day, because it was Father's Day that day. Drove home, Ben was still asleep, did a couple of tests, and unbelievably, it came up as pregnant, and then walked in and gave... Ben this little cupcake and woke him up and said oh happy father's day it's like what what so that was amazing but also it happened to be my father's birthday oh my goodness very special and I nearly lost them a couple of times in the first 12 weeks but they're here and when I had them I was just so super passionate and meeting Sarah we just felt the same that we didn't want anyone to go through either of the journeys that we've been through hence setting up IVF Babel it's just so emotional you know everything from your dad to the miscarriages the ninth year of trying i'm gonna ask you the same question i asked sarah i mean nine years of trying how on earth did you keep going there was a belief in me it was going to happen which can be a negative thing and a positive thing because who knows where it was going to end up like every time i had a miscarriage i just kind of thought no actually just go again. I sort of almost created this block, I think, in my head. Let's not think on the negative side, positive, you know. And poor old Ben, I remember him saying, look, please, can we talk about this? Like, I'm fine. Honestly, I'm absolutely fine. That's the way I got through. But after having the children, setting up IVF Babble, and literally probably about three years down the line, I remember being on a train, and I just looked at some image popped up on my on my phone and it was a woman who was on her knees in tears and it was called the ghost child I think 
And there was this, this little girl with her hand on the woman's shoulders. That was the thing that got me. So all of those years of being, trying to be super positive and just let's get on, let's keep on going. Suddenly the pin was in the balloon and I cried literally for about half an hour. I somehow had managed to block all of those miscarriages. Mm. Thank you for sharing that because I know it's really personal. One of the things I was going to ask you was, did you ever manage to process the losses? Because five miscarriages are significant. And I think when you're in it, it's like there's no time to stop. The clock is ticking all the time. To process one miscarriage is huge. To process five, you know, that could literally take years. And when you're in the middle of the journey, you don't have years to give. But it sounds like that picture in some ways was the release that you needed at that moment to to help you start to process. Well, it, it was the release. And after that, I said to Ben, I just burst into tears on the drain and this is what's just happened. He said, do you know, there were so many times that I almost cried silently to myself because I wanted to share those losses with you. But I understood that that was how you were trying to cope. I felt super sad and I felt I couldn't share that with you. And I burst into tears at the thought that I'd almost blocked him from even sharing how he was feeling. Because I think, yes, the woman goes through all those processes, but sometimes the guy, the partner, is also really suffering. Yeah, absolutely. And this was something I wanted to ask Sarah and you, Tracy, about. I think men do quite often get overlooked because the women are the ones going through the physical trauma of it. Obviously, it's incredibly tough on the partners and quite often they feel like they have to be, I am the manly one and I'm the strong one. And actually, they're broken as well. It's their child. It's their embryo. Completely. You know what we try to do at IVF Babble is we have what we call our ambassadors. So we try and bring in as many people as possible who have gone on to have children but have struggled and want to support others. And so we now, we're so happy we've got quite a few male ambassadors. And one of those wonderful men talks very openly, listening to him talk about their experience of miscarriage is fascinating. What is so sad is that he blamed himself for so many things. He blamed himself because he was saying he, he thought that time when he'd asked his wife to carry the shopping bags out of the car. Oh. And he was trying to find all these things that he had done wrong to cause that miscarriage. It was heartbreaking. I love that you've got those ambassadors and I think it's massively important it is heartbreaking and obviously it wasn't his fault do you think maybe ivf babble was both of your ways of trying to make meaning of the situation you've both experienced do you think this helped you to process and then put this amazing resource in place for other people i think so we often talk about this thing called scar of infertility we both had very traumatic journeys and neither of us had counseling and if you don't deal with something, you bury it deep, don't you? And eventually it does come out. And essentially we set up IVF Babel. We wanted to create something we wish we'd had. Whilst I wouldn't wish infertility on my worst enemy, there will be thousands, like literally thousands and thousands of people that are so grateful for IVF Babel. For those of us that don't quite know what IVF Babel is, would you be able to summarise what IVF Babel is? What does it look like? Well, it's evolved, I've got to say, it's, it really has evolved since 2016, but it started as an online fertility magazine. We wanted people to be able to browse through an online magazine, almost as though they were just browsing through Grazia, you know, something that didn't look scary, it didn't look medical, it was just normal because 
infertility is normal, but also to explain what infertility is, explain infertility causes, what you can do if you are struggling to conceive, explaining what options you have in a really simple, easy to read way. And so we approached some of the world's best leading reproductive experts to help us write the content. And obviously, as you know, doctors, they don't really write in a grazia style. <laughs> we would go to them, they would give us all the information. And to this day, we still call it babalizing. So we babalize what they tell us. So we basically translate it into normal, I say in inverted commas, normal text. We just strip it right back and, and simplify it so it's not scary. I think you both should have honorary PhDs in reproductive medicine because the site is incredible and there is so much information on there and you've done such an amazing job because it is like flipping through Grazia. It's absolutely beautiful. It looks amazing. It normalizes everything. The content is incredible. You are on there too. You know, you are a very key part of it. I am very happy to be on there. And one of the things I love about it is you have Pineapple's community on there as well, don't you, to help people find support from each other support and community is as key as the the education and the information that we have one thing we do say though is we don't encourage patient to patient guidance guidance comes from the experts the trusted medical mm -hmm. wellness experts comfort comes from those who have been through it we say if you've got those two things you know if you've got your experts and your community then you're going to have a much better journey yep completely agree you have to find your people. It's so important. What's one of the things that's um, surprised you most about where we are now with fertility? When we started, like you say, there wasn't really anything around. There were a lot of blue and white scientific sites. There wasn't anything that was about imagery, about softening the approach, bringing the patient closer to the science. It's amazing now that there are so many bloggers out there and so many people are talking. It really seems to have changed. When we started, maybe 3% were guys that were reading it. And when we went to any expos to talk to people, had a TTC events, sometimes men found it quite difficult to know what to say. There was a barrier. However, now, 33% of our readership is men. Wow, that's amazing. It's gone up significantly, which is incredible. And we've got some amazing guys that we're working with and ambassadors. And we're finding more and more, don't you think, Sarah, how many guys are starting to say, can we share our story? Definitely, definitely. When we first started as well, we also thought that it would be great if we could get a celebrity to share a story. Because actually, sometimes you're in your zone and feeling so isolated, thinking you're the only one, you feel a failure. And then suddenly you might read something from someone that's out there in the public eye. And sometimes it can soften it a little bit to understand that you're really not alone. Because we'd just started, we thought, wouldn't it be amazing to get someone to do that? And it took a while, but then we did get someone to talk about it and then suddenly more and more followed we got gabby logan first didn't we no it was tina malone i think first then it was gabby logan and then it sort of went on from there and now 
you just go on any social and you can see more and more people are talking about it. I love both the, the people you mentioned, but Gabby Logan in particular, I have read around her story quite a lot because I know it's not what she's known for, but it's amazing that she shared that information. And then the other one I was thinking of that obviously broke recently was the Jennifer Aniston story. And there was also the Rebel Wilson because she's just had surrogacy as a way of having her babies, hasn't she? I think this makes a massive difference. And with the Jennifer Aniston story, so many people are now looking at freezing their eggs just because she said, I wish someone had told me. And it's just made such a massive difference to everybody. Just with the celebrity, I never forget this. My IVF failed. And in fact, I walked past the tree the other day in the park. I remember sitting underneath this tree with one of my girlfriends and she pulled out a OK magazine or something. She said, come on, let's just let's just read some mags. And she tried to distract me. And it was a story of a weather woman from like ITV or something talking about how she had failed her IVF. She just was being quite open about her story, which was so rare at the time. And you know, that was one of the most comforting points of my entire IVF journey. Because not only was I reading that somebody else was in the same boat as me, I was reading that somebody else had failed. Isn't that sad? Mm. Do you know, one of my um, bugbears around the terminology in fertility, and there is there is so much, I mean, is this idea of a failed transfer oh, and a I failed know. round of IVF, because that word to me, it's so emotive and it really isn't what you need. You don't need to be told, oh, hey, by the way, you failed. And I know it's there's no criticism for using the word. It is the word that's used. But yeah. then I kind of think, well, who's failed? Did, did the embryos fail? Did the doctors fail? And of course, the person that you think has failed is you. I failed. My uterus failed. My body failed. My hormones failed. It's all back on you. And I really, it's one of the things that I would love to see changed moving forward is the use of terminology. There are so many words that are so horrible. So my embryos, my remaining embryos were discarded. That's the word. So we wrote to all the clinics and we're just like, you know, this has to change. And I also spoke to a doctor today about another term that I, I found really, really harsh. And he said to me, the problem is in fertility treatment, you have to be so clear, Mm. right? You can't use soft words because it has to be so black and white. From a clinical perspective, I do get that. And I've also experienced loss in that time. It's horrific. Like you're not processing and you definitely need clarity. But what I'm wondering is maybe you can have clarity, but maybe you can also have support put in place because one of the things you have it and then you're just sent away. It's like when you experience loss, you have the scan, there's no heartbeat, there's no pregnancy, and then you're just sent on your merry way. There's no follow-up. Yeah, I agree that the use of the clinical terminology has its place, but I think there needs to be so much more around support. That discarded word is awful. So I had this conversation with the embryologist who said, you know, we're going to discard your embryos today. I'm so shocked. I just went, okay then, okay, thank you, and hung up. And then I thought, hang on, those are my babies. That's how I saw them, my babies. So I called the clinic back and I went, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. Please, 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 you can't, you can't. I was so distressed. I even said to them, can't you put my embryos in a little pot that I can take home and I'll just let them gradually, you know, (laughs) die. And they were like, no, 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 sorry, that's completely unethical. We cannot do that. They will be discarded. (laughs) And like you say, there was nothing, no support, nothing. It's just heartbreaking. I think there could be a lot more support around this. This is one of my bugbears. Speaking of extra support, I know that you currently have Babel Health in the pipeline, which I am ridiculously excited about. So would you mind just explaining to people 
and what bubble health is, why it's come about and how it's going to help even more people. If you think back on my journey, which was 10 years, I went through all those miscarriages. Unfortunately, I was sort of misdiagnosed and there were no tests that were done until the ninth year. We have constantly felt we need to be able to create something that gives people the tools and support to self-advocate, where it gives people the opportunity to get the right advice very quickly, in effect, on-demand access to care. Have a chat with someone to understand what tests you could possibly have just to check on your fertility status, for instance. And then once you've had those tests, you can then have another chat with a consultant and actually make a fertility plan. And that doesn't matter whether you're in your mid to late 20s or wherever you are on your journey. It's important to get checked. I think one of the key things that keeps coming up again and again is this idea of self-advocating. Your site will allow people to do that by giving them the right advice. So many people I speak to, they're just lost, absolutely lost. So they can self-advocate, access health and support, advice, look for tests, and like you said, develop a fertility plan. So I think it sounds absolutely brilliant. A lot of the time, lots of people don't know what to ask in order to be their own advocate. Babel Health is about saying to people, look, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? We're trying to support people in helping them ask the questions in order to self-advocate. It makes perfect sense. I've had a little sneak peek. I can promise it does look absolutely fantastic. If anyone wants to get in touch with you or with your amazing resources, where would be the best place for people to look? IVFbabble.com. Aside to all the information that's on there constantly, we publish articles every day on there latest fertility news so you can get in touch with us via that that's info ivfbabble.com you know on our social media platforms instagram direct messages is always a good one and i feel very lucky to be part of your community and it's a really amazing place to be so thank you can we also say thank you for being so amazing thank you Oh my goodness, they are the most fabulous, amazing women. They are giants in the fertility world and I am just so happy that we got to talk to them. They're just incredible. They've achieved so, so much and I'm really grateful for everything they've done. From weight loss through their infertility battles to, to having their children and IVF Babel in 2016 mm. and growing it to where it is now, to the launch of Babel Health, you just really have to be impressed. They also have a life doing other things as well. This is this is the incredible thing. They've managed to do everything in fertility. They've helped, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. Um, and the thing that I love about all of their work is they are backed up and supported by the best in the world. Like they have clinicians, they have doctors, they have embryologists. So everything they give you is fantastic, up-to-date, reliable information. So it's definitely worth a look over at IVF Babble. Absolutely. We all need to be babbleized. We do. We all need to be babbleized. Maria, Christmas is coming. So what will we be talking about next week? I'm very aware that with Christmas coming, this is actually a really, really difficult time for a lot of our listeners. So we are going to be looking at fun ideas of things that you can look forward to in 2023. It's all about fun next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. 
Remember to subscribe to get a shiny new episode each week and please rate, comment and really importantly, share with your friends, especially our trying to conceive sisters. You never know who's struggling and they may need that little bit of extra help. This may come as a surprise, but we are not doctors. We strongly recommend that you consult your doctor before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. Get everything checked out first. Your safety is our priority. This has been a worth a listen production.